This message comes from NPR sponsor Candid's Foundation Directory Online. For nonprofits in search of grant funding, FDO connects you with the right grant makers to meet your fundraising goals. Discover how Candid's FDO can help you win more grants at fdo.org NPR. Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and Embedded is back. And we recently realized it's hard to assess a politician who has virtually no political record. But with Donald Trump, we tried anyway. And we wound up with stories and lessons from the record he does have in business and on TV. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton, and now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We have a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are backstage entering the Hamilton ticket lottery. And depending on how that goes, they might come out and play some nerdy games with us. But only one will be our big winner. And we've all already won on this show because our special guests are ridiculous. Starring as Alexander Hamilton in the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical, we have Javier Munoz, and starring as Police Chief Jim Hopper in the Netflix series Stranger Things, we have David Harbour. Now, both of these actors are in hugely popular shows, shows that your friends won't stop asking you if you've seen... And they both take place in America's past. One is set during a time when presidents were white males, technology was antiquated, and money equaled power, and the other is a Broadway musical about (laughs) Alexander Hamilton. Let's get things started with our first two contestants. First up, Vanessa Conkle. You're applying to nursing school, and you are really good at giving homemade gifts. I try to be. Okay. Uh, I just love these two things about you immediately. Yeah. You're taking care of people in every way. Uh, let's, let's talk about the gifts. What kind of gifts are you making? Well, I make a lot of candles. Uh, we've been making bacon <laughs> and meat products. <laughs> uh, listen, okay, I'm going okay. to give you candles. Candles sound tough to make, but... It's not the, uh, hard the, at all. <laughs> but the bacon, when you say you're making bacon... We, we don't make the pigs. <laughs> we, we, we get pork belly and then we brine it and smoke it and oh. then slice it and freeze it. <laughs> and then you give that away? Uh, we mostly eat it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is an idea of a gift you could give, but then yeah, it's like, it's no. Yeah, too good to give. Yeah, very good. Your opponent is Jesse Gillen. You are a web designer for an art gallery and live update the gallery's website during big auctions. Are you ever surprised at the amount a masterpiece goes for? Totally, yeah. Like it's, as in- it's fairly gross to think about how much money people spend on artworks. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. When, like, I would think like a, you can buy a car, obviously, for a lot of the money that you, people spend on artworks, which is shocking to me. Yeah, they should spend less on art. Yeah, I mean, it's an investment, I guess. That's what we say. But, like, I don't know if it... I mean, sure. Uh, I'm just sort of making fun of the idea of it. Uh, But can you give me, like, an approximate price of a... Like, I don't know what kind of artist you're dealing with. Picasso, Moreau, Dali. Yeah, yeah. Like, big names, yeah. Sure, okay. So the last uh, Moreau that sold, what what kind of money are we talking? Usually around maybe ten to $15,000. Ten to $15,000, that's it? That's it. You can have one. You can bring the museum home. (laughs) I mean, that sounds strangely affordable, right? Yeah, why are we not buying art all the time? Yeah, just do it. I, I mean, I could buy that like after this show, you know, one well. of these shows. <laughs> NPR. We got, that, we got all that sweet public radio money. <laughs> okay, Vanessa and Jesse, the first of you who wins two of our games will move on to the final round at the end of the show. Are you ready to play? Yes. Sure. Sure. Okay, so we're going to start with a trivia game called Knowledge by Nature. The song OPP by the band Naughty by Nature is more than 25 years old. Yeah, let that sink in, everybody. So we're celebrating that life is both fragile and fleeting with a game where every answer is three letters that rhyme with OPP. Oh, God. So if I said, you down with a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, you'd answer 
You down with BLT? Groaning is appropriate. Yeah, you know me. Exactly. So buzz in to answer, and the winner will be one step closer to the final round at the end of the show. Here we go. You down with the cable TV channel that airs The Walking Dead and Better Call Saul? Vanessa? You down with AMC? (laughs) Yeah, that is correct. Are you a fan of Better Call Saul? Yes. I like AMC. They do a good job. They do. (laughs) You down with the three-letter suffix at the end of a verb that indicates a present participle or a gerund? Vanessa? You down with I-N-G? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I feel like our listeners, more than other listeners, know what a gerund is. That is probably true. It's not just a guy I dated. (laughs) (laughs) I dated a guy named Gerund. Hey, it's Gerund. What are you doing? Leaving. You down with a form of long-term birth control that's considered 99.9% effective? Vanessa? You down with IUD? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You down with the number 45 in Roman numerals? Jesse? Yeah. You down with... um, Sorry, I should talk it out. Um, Think about it a second. V... L... No. Never mind. You're close. No, talk it out. You're doing great. I'm with you. Um, LV, that's it, that's all I know. All LVV, that's not right. Okay. Oh, I know what it is now. You know what it is now? Yeah. I'll give her a shot. Okay, XLV. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> but I feel like you bring up a, a good point, Jesse. When are we going to pull the plug on Roman numerals already, right? <laughs> yeah. Any day they're now. They're no good. Yeah. They're, no, they're the worst numerals. For? <laughs> all right, this is your last clue. You down with the country where you'd find Dubai and Abu Dhabi? Vanessa. You down with the UAE? That is correct, yes. Puzzleger Archung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Vanessa, you're one step closer to the final round. Let's check in with our contestants. Vanessa Conkle, you were attacked by a wild turkey in your backyard when you were seven. Yeah, upstate New York problems. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How has that affected you now? Uh, I love Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because you're like, you deserve it every time, right? beady little eyes, and I get to... Eat them. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jess, speaking of horror, Jesse Gillen, you are a big horror movie fan, but you pointed out that you were a big fan as a toddler. Yes, um, I truly enjoyed watching um, Poltergeist, Gremlins, The Shining, probably movies you shouldn't watch when you're three to five years old. Yeah. Unsupervised? I or? I, my, my mom said she'd watch me and I looked completely fine and I didn't have nightmares, so, <laughs> you know. Yes. So now you get to play one of our favorite guessing games. It's called This, That, or The Other. I'm going to give you a title, and you just have to tell me which of three categories it fits into. And today's categories are inspired by the phrase, once in a lifetime, which is the title of a talking head song, and a tagline for a WWE WrestleMania spectacular, (laughs) and it is the title of a book by the Beach Read author Daniel Steele. So you may ask yourself, what are those categories again? (laughs) They are Talking Head Song, WrestleMania Tagline, or Daniel Steele Novel. Okay, we're going to alternate back and forth, so no need to buzz in. Vanessa, you won the last game, so if you win this, you're going to the final round. All right, Jesse, we'll start with you. Power play. WrestleMania? That is a good guess, but it is wrong. Vanessa, can you steal? Is that the title of a book? (laughs) Our categories are... Oh. (laughs) Talking Head Song, WrestleMania, or Daniel Steele novel? Uh, Daniel. Let's go with Daniel. Daniel Steele is correct, (laughs) actually. Okay, Vanessa, dare to dream. 
Oh, boy, that's definitely not wrestling, I hope. Uh, let's go with Daniel again. Daniel Steele? Yeah. Seems like a good choice, but that is incorrect. <laughs> Jesse, can you steal? Talking head song? No, that is Wait. WrestleMania. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Jesse, slippery people. Um, talking heads. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Would be a great WrestleMania, though, seriously. <laughs> Vanessa, the raging climax. Uh, <laughs> wrestling. Yes, that's okay. WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is the premise of every Daniel Steele book. <laughs> It does feel a little bit on the nose for a Danielle Steele yeah, novel. Yeah, right, right, say. exactly. <laughs> okay, this is your last uh, set of clues. Jesse, heat! As in heat with an exclamation point. WrestleMania? Oh, yeah, that is WrestleMania. <laughs> Talking heads, it would be called like, turn down the heat or something like that. Vanessa, stay hungry. Uh. Daniel Steele. Uh, incorrect, I'm sorry. Jesse, can you steal? Um, talking Heads? Yeah, Talking Heads is correct. That's right. <laughs> Puzzigar, Archung, how did our contestants do? They both did great. Jesse, congratulations. You've tied it up and we're moving to a tiebreaker round. <laughs> All right, we are tied one game apiece, so it's time for a quick game three. I'm going to give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall into that category. The first contestant to mess up, either by guessing incorrectly, repeating an answer, or taking too long, will be eliminated. You have to buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. As of 2016, 10 celebrities have served as coaches on the NBC singing competition show, The Voice. Name them. <laughs> Vanessa, you're first. Alicia Keys. That is correct. So now to Jesse. Christina Aguilera. Christina Aguilera, also correct. Adam Levine. Correct. Jesse. Ben Folds. No, I'm sorry. That's a different show. Oh, okay. I knew he was on a show. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That was a different show. Vanessa, congratulations. You're moving on to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Vanessa in her final round at the end of the show. And the man behind Alexander Hamilton is waiting in the wings for us. Javier Munoz will join us for a quiz on POTUS pets. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Candid's Foundation Directory Online. For nonprofits in search of grant funding, FDO helps you see which funders are most likely to support your cause. FDO gives you access to the insights you need to build robust prospect lists and connect with the right grantmakers to meet your fundraising goals. Discover how Candid's FDO can help you win funding to support your mission-critical work at fdo.org NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. Family is complicated. Crime is organized. The all-new Fargo takes you to 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates have struck an uneasy truce as they both fight for their piece of the American dream. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman star in this original tale of immigration, assimilation, and power. The fourth installment of Fargo premieres with back-to-back -back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, our contestant Vanessa won her way to the final round at the end of the show. We're going to find out a little later who she will face off against. But now it's time to welcome our first special guest. He plays the Secretary of the Treasury in a little-known New York musical theater production <laughs> written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. The musical is called Hamilton, and we wish it the best of luck. Please welcome Javier Munoz. 
They can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm super psyched. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you. This is exciting. I love it. <laughs> now, I have to ask you, whose shoes are harder to fill? Hmm. Alexander Hamilton's or Lin-Manuel Miranda's? Uh, I'm going to say Lin's. Really? Yes. Because I think I have smaller feet. <laughs> I like that on a literal basis. <laughs> now, it has been said that your portrayal of Hamilton is the sexier <laughs> Hamilton. Do you agree or disagree? Do you have a, uh, a comment on no that? Comment. No, no comment. <laughs> but what do you bring to it that you think is different? You know, I, I always think it's just a matter of, of one's own experience. I just bring who I am to it uh, and combine it with what I know it's meant to be, scene by scene, lyric by lyric. Yeah. So when you are waiting backstage before every show, do you go through any like specific mantra Sometimes. right before you walk out? Um, I mean, there are moments where I do have to concentrate and focus and go through stuff, and then there are moments where I just goof off with my castmates. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and have a good time. Yeah. That's yeah. And they, I'm sure they both have their merits. Oh, totally. Right. <laughs> so you were on Lynn Manuel's radar since you uh, were an alternate for him in his first Broadway musical, In the Heights. Yes. Did you still have to audition for Hamilton? <laughs> I actually did. You did? Yes. <laughs> uh, I was out in Oregon doing a gig, and I had to send in audition videos. Okay, so first of all, I'm sure you hear the premise of the show. <laughs> He called you up and told oh, you Oh, he did. He left me a voicemail, yes. And said, I'm going to do a musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton. It was at least a, a minute or two minute long voicemail that did not make sense to me. <laughs> and then I walked into the room and heard the music and it just all fell into place. Did you think it was a joke or maybe that he had just, lost it? I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was inspiring him. I right. didn't know where he was going. But, you know, it's Lynn, so I trusted him. Right. Yeah. Okay, so then you are on board with the music. You send in one audition tape, and do, then do they go, great? No, I sent in two. <laughs> <laughs> I got asked to do more, more songs and after the second one, and then I got the, the offer. How'd that day go? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> you personally have been through a lot. You are a cancer survivor. A, you've survived an HIV diagnosis. Yes. You've, and through all of this, uh, how has your outlook of life changed? Uh, due to my health challenges? Or yeah, due and to overcoming oh. everything and also having a high point in your career. There's coinciding things. Yeah, it, I mean, it's certainly at times been overwhelming, but I think overall the greatest thing is just seeing and learning and accepting what's really important. Yeah. And not getting distracted by the things that really ultimately will not matter. Right. Yeah. Now, you know, when you started acting... You, you said, and it's true, of course, that there weren't great roles for Latinos. No, it was like drug dealer number two, thug number five. Yeah. Not even number one. Nope. <laughs> nope. So how have you seen this change throughout the course of your acting career? I've seen both sides of the story. I've seen casting directors expand and call me in for things that I would never have been called in for. And that's, that's so promising. It's wonderful to be in the room and be one of a handful of actors of color, and the character is perhaps not that, right? right. And so it's wonderful. And, and you know, but then there are also situations where it's like, wow, nothing's changed. You know, so there's still more work to do. Is, is there a particular thing that you remember going out for that it was the first time that you were like, wait a second, it, this is not at all typecasting? Yeah, it was uh, on a clear day. I got uh, called in for one of the principals and I was the only actor of color in the waiting room, and I felt wonderful about that because it was, it was an arrival of, of sorts for me, really. Absolutely. So many amazing people have been able to come see the show. Obviously, it, you know, there's the general public, and then there are celebrities. But yes. how did you feel when Beyonce and Jay-Z came to the show? Okay, so um, <laughs> I did not know the entire show that they were in the house. And then uh, Jen, who is my dresser, and uh, uh, Jonathan Groff are standing at the entrance to the dressing room, shoulder to shoulder, like, you know, clearly these two were up to something. So they announced it was Beyonce and Jay-Z, to which I then, in my underwear and shirt, collapsed behind the chair, <laughs> squealing like a child. And Jonathan did take a photo of it, so it is documented. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you knew going in when the president was coming I did. to the show. Yeah. I'm sure you would notice anyways because there would be a huge Major amount of... Major security, yeah. No, that was astonishing, just the fact that I got to do that performance. Yeah. You know, it was so thrilling. That was my very first performance during the Broadway production. That was, that was first... your first one? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I had performed off-Broadway, but this was my very first one at the Richard Rogers for the president. <laughs> no pressure. I love the low stakes that they're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right, totally. No, but it, you know, the fact that I was given the chance to still do that show and it was scheduled was so generous. And then I was surprised that I, I just wasn't nervous. I was so excited to do it. And it was one of three times that Lynn was getting to watch the show. So that was the most important thing to me. Was oh, just, so he was there. Yeah. But he didn't say, oh, the president's coming. I, I'm going to be on no, stage. No, that's what I'm saying. It was totally generous. He, they, I, I was allowed to continue to do the show. Wow, and so he sat and watched. Yeah, he sat, I think, I believe he was a row or two in front of the president. <laughs> Only Lynn is in front of the president. <laughs> now, I'm sure people quote uh, lines from Hamilton to you all <laughs> Never. the time. Never happens. Do people come up to you in the street, recognize you, and they just throw out a line? Um, sometimes. I mean, generally, if I've engaged with them, yes, they'll feel comfortable to do so. Right. But they don't start with the line. <laughs> they don't just walk up to you and like... I just like blurt it out. No. <laughs> Is, what, and what's the most common? Uh, not going to throw away my shot. Yeah, yeah. all right. They're like, hey, I'm going to say hi to you because I'm not, not going to throw, throw away my shot. Yeah. <laughs> You're totally right. Yeah, exactly. Javier, we... Uh, we're really excited that you agreed to help us lead a game yes. and ask me another challenge. So are you, are you ready to go? I'm so ready. Okay, Javier Munoz, everybody. <laughs> now let's meet our next two contestants. First up, Jerry Hester. You are a news director at the Cooney Graduate School of Journalism, and you used to be a reporter for the New York Daily News. That's right, New York's hometown paper. Yeah. Still? <laughs> I love that you just threw in the tagline immediately. <laughs> Old habits die hard. Uh, so what kind of pieces did you write for the hometown paper? Oh, I was kind of a, a general assignment reporter, so I got to do anything and everything. I actually went undercover a couple of times. As what? Uh, once as a cab driver. Oh, yeah? Yes. And what did you find? Was it a scary job? It was frightening at times, but in, in some ways, a bigger problem was less being frightened out of there and was dealing with, um, with you know, passengers who weren't always nice, let's just say. <laughs> Wait a second. You're saying some people in taxi cabs are not nice? <laughs> I, you know, I, I was shocked. Shocked by that. <laughs> Your opponent is Carissa Carlson. You're visiting us from New Haven, where you're one year away from receiving your PhD in clinical psychology. Yes. Oh, yes. Finally. All right. <laughs> Thank you. PhD in clinical psychology. All right. So this is it. Are you raring to go out into the real world, or are you, are you freaking Not out? Not at all. You're freaking <laughs> out. Yeah? What's, what's your main concern? I have no idea where I'm living next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to get on that. Yeah. How do you feel about lack of structure? How are you with structure? Haven't thought about that? Sorry. I don't think you're making it easier for her. So we have a trivia game for you called The Secret Life of Presidential Pets. So Hamilton is a musical about American history, but it may surprise you to learn that some of the most important decisions in American history were actually made by presidential pets. In this game, Javier and I will give you clues about a president from the perspective of that president's pet. So buzz in to identify the president. Remember, Jerry and Carissa, the first of you who wins two of our games will move on to our final round at the end of the show. All right, here we go. All right. I'm fighting Bob Evans, a guinea pig. My owner kept more than 50 different animals at the White House, but he loved hunting. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Puzzle Guru Archung, do you want to give a hint? Well, though he loved hunting, he famously refused to shoot a baby bear. Jerry. Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm Pauline Wayne, a cow. I told my owner to try skim milk, or at least 2%, to help him get in shape, but let's be honest, he was getting stuck in that bathtub no matter what. Carissa. Taft. Taft is correct, yeah. Yes. All right, I'm Pushinka, 
a mutt from Russia. Thank goodness I calmed my owner during the Cuban Missile Crisis, or we'd all be borscht now. <laughs> Carissa. Kennedy? Kennedy is correct, yes. I'm Misty Malarkey Yin-Yang, a Siamese cat. Yeah, that's right. Not problematic at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know that ugly sweater the president wore on TV after he turned down the heat in the White House? I put it in my litter box. (laughs) Jerry. Jimmy Carter? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm an alligator with no name. Sad. I had to watch my owner swim naked in the Potomac every single day. I wonder if his dad skinny dipped when he was president. Jerry. John Quincy Adams? That's right, yeah. The alligator was a gift from Lafayette, by the way. Really? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Yep, but it had no name. I feel like... That is not a pet. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. Don't you have to give it a name? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's weird. All right, this is your last clue. I'm Millie, an English Springer Spaniel. One day my owner scolded me, read my lips, no new biscuits. (laughs) And then he gave me a Ross Perot chew toy. Jerry. Uh, George H.W. Bush. That is correct, yes. Yes. Puzzler Archung, how did our contestants do? They both did great. Jerry, congratulations. You're one step closer to moving on to the final round. Javier Munoz is currently starring in the title role in the Broadway production of Hamilton, and he'll be back later in the show. Give it up for Javier Munoz. Let's check in with our contestants. Jerry, if you were a monster, what kind of monster would you be? I guess I would be the 1970s Godzilla nemesis, Rodan. Because he was, he was really cool. He spun around, but he was also a great sculptor. <laughs> Carissa, if you were a monster, what kind of monster would you be? I would be the nemesis to the Keebler elves and be the cookie monster. (laughs) Your next game is a music parody game called To All the Ghouls I've Loved Before. Jerry, you won the first game, so win this and you'll move on to the final round. Carissa, you need to win this or your dissertation will be shredded. (laughs) Jonathan Colton, take it away. I sure will. We have rewritten the kind of creepy Willie Nelson and Julio Iglesias song to all the girls I've loved before to be either less creepy or more creepy depending on your perspective because it is now about famous monsters. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. To all the ghouls I've loved before Cone-shaped hair I can't ignore They built her just for me Then electricity awoke her. She's alive, they swore. Carissa. Bride of Frankenstein? Indeed, Bride of Frankenstein is correct. Her name is Bernice, okay? Yeah, she has a name. (laughs) Actually, Mrs. Frankenstein was the wife of the scientist. Exactly. Just mansplained in a slightly more feminist way, but not not that much more. I love that. I love that. The winds of change are always blowing. There are times they smell like trash. This Muppet Grump had no nose showing. His can was cramped. I had to dash. Jerry. Oscar the Grouch? That's correct. Not the most horrifying monster in the history of monsters. Yeah, we've all had that apartment. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty standard. (laughs) There was this one manifestation 
Big white thing in a sailor's hat I felt a very strange sensation When the Ghostbusters made him splat Carissa The Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? Yeah, that's right <laughs> This is your last clue. <laughs> My latest ghoul, he does beguile. He has a very pointy smile. A Transylvanian stud who likes to drink my blood. I think I'll let him suck a while. Cherry. Dracula. Yeah, you got it. Archung, how did our contestants do? We have a tie, so here's your tiebreaker question. Hands on your buzzers. Name the hit Halloween song by Bobby Pickett and the Crypt Kickers, released in 1962. Carissa. Monster Mash? That is correct. Well done. So, Carissa, with that, you've tied it up for one game apiece, so we're back to another tiebreaker round. (laughs) Doesn't get any easier. I'm going to give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall in that category. The first contestant to mess up by guessing incorrectly, repeating an answer, or taking too long will be eliminated. You'll have to buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Periodic table elements with the topic numbers 1 through 10. Carissa, you start. Carbon. Carbon is number 6, correct. Jerry. Nitrogen. Nitrogen is number 7. Hydrogen. Hydrogen is number 1, Carissa. Correct. Jerry. Oxygen. Oxygen is number eight. Back to Carissa. Well. (laughs) Um, I'm going to guess sodium. I'm sorry, sodium is incorrect. So we're going to have to say goodbye. And congratulations to Jerry. You're moving on to the final round. It's settled. Our finalists are Vanessa and Jerry. They will face off in our final round at the end of the show. Coming up, Stranger Things, David Harbour has many sides. We'll row with 20 of them in the nerdiest game you'll ever hear. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Candid's Foundation Directory Online. For nonprofits in search of grant funding, FDO helps you see which funders are most likely to support your cause. FDO gives you access to the insights you need to build robust prospect lists and connect with the right grantmakers to meet your fundraising goals. Discover how Candid's FDO can help you win funding to support your mission-critical work at fdo.org NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. Family is complicated. Crime is organized. The all-new Fargo takes you to 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates have struck an uneasy truce as they both fight for their piece of the American dream. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman star in this original tale of immigration, assimilation, and power. The fourth installment of Fargo premieres with back-to-back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Soon we'll find out which of our contestants, Vanessa or Jerry, will be today's big winner. But now it's time to welcome our next special guest. He stars as Police Chief Jim Hopper in the Netflix series Stranger Things, which is a sci-fi horror show set in the 1980s that is a huge hit. Please welcome David Harbour. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brooklyn. (laughs) Yeah. Now the listeners cannot see this, but David has one of those Stormtrooper boot casts on. (laughs) Uh, because it turns out you tore your Achilles playing Achilles there in Shakespeare go. in the Park. There you go. Not a good thing to do. If you're deciding on an injury, I would choose a different one. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in Shakespeare in the Park this summer in Troilus and Cressida, which is a play. Uh, oh, wow. Some of you may have seen the six performances that I gave. Um, I, uh, I was uh, playing the great Greek general Achilles in the Trojan War. 
So I was jumping around, and uh, I lunged for Hector uh, to intimidate him, and it just snapped. Uh, at what point in the show did you... Well, it was fantastic, because... Uh, like, I sort of finished my lines, went off stage, and I had a scene coming up, like, in, you know, like, a minute or so, and I went off stage, and I said to the stage managers, I was like, guys, I'm pretty sure I just tore my Achilles tendon. We're gonna have to stop the show. And they were like, uh... No. No? Let's get him some ice. <laughs> they gave me a bag of ice, and they were like, I heard my entrance cue, and I was like, you're kidding me, right? And I just dragged my foot out, I grabbed a chair... And I put it down in the middle of the stage and I just started icing my foot. <laughs> like, saying my lines. And they wouldn't stop the show. But you remembered your lines through severe Yeah, it actually, pain? you know, it's surprisingly not painful because the adrenaline is pumping so much. I mean, you're out in front of 2,000 people in Central Park and you're acting up a storm. And, like, I didn't feel anything until the next day. <laughs> and then I felt a lot. Yeah. So you play police chief Jim Hopper in yes. Stranger Things. Yes! Yes! Yes, I love him so much. I love him so much. He's, he's an amazing man, He's right? impossible he's not to love. Man. I know. Well, in the first couple episodes, That's he's right. easy not to love. He's easy not to love. That's what I love. The first time we meet you in the series, you know, it is this amazing shot of your apartment that is a complete wreck. It's a double-wide trailer, actually. It's not an apartment. Oh, right. It's a double-wide, yeah. Double-wide trailer. Yeah. Uh, it's just a mess. There's beer cans. Yeah, there's yeah, yeah. Uh, cigarettes, prescription bottles. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> your character looks like he's in really bad shape. Yeah. Now, Goes out and smokes a cigarette with his, with his jeans unbuttoned <laughs> because he can't button them over his belly. Love that. Love Jim. So how much of that character was on the page versus what you uh, decided to bring to it? Well, I think he was thinner on the page. Uh, I decided to eat a lot of cheeseburgers. Some people, if they got a leading male uh, role in a series, might like go to the gym. You made a conscious effort yeah. not to do that. Yeah, it was very conscious. And, no, uh, it's really what? Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I know you think I'm kidding. I mean, I couldn't even if I want, but I did make a conscious thing because I actually, you know, when I got the script, I saw that the, and I got it months before. So I saw the first scene he had his shirt off and I was like, um, my narcissism kicked in immediately. Sure. And I was like, I'm going to get a trainer. I'm going to eat organic chicken and <laughs> I'm just going to go to the gym constantly. I'm going to look ripped. And then I talked to actually uh, my acting coach uh, and he was like, look, play this character, don't play five roles in the future. He's like, this guy doesn't go to the gym. And also, like, I think we have too much of a weird obsession with body in our culture nowadays, and I think that I would like to see sexiness uh, sort of embodied in, in people's real bodies, as opposed to those bodies that are, you know, just full of narcissism. And you can smell that, like, you know, sometimes I feel like those superheroes, if you threw a cookie at them, they would be more terrified than the villain because they might have to eat a carbohydrate. I read that you stay in character between <laughs> takes oh, to scare did. the kids. Oh, God. What's wrong this with you? Is, this is, I know, exactly. No, it's just because I don't like children. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I used to be on sets and I used to really care about being friends with everybody and I used to care about what people thought of me and I used to want to be like the charming, fun guy and I spent a lot of energy on that. And then the older I get, the more I care about the audience's experience more than my own and I'm willing to sacrifice my personal relationship so that the audience has a... I really am. I'm willing to sacrifice my personal experience so the audience has an authentic experience. And so, you know, I don't mail dead pigs to people and stuff like that, but I do... Um, if there's an energy between certain characters, I do tend to try to preserve that energy or make it as authentic as possible. So with the kids, it was really important for me that he didn't like children, you know, because he has so much pain right. in his life around children. And so I made sure to stay away from them at the table reads. And then on the day we shot that first scene, I just moved my chair away from them and I just like wouldn't talk to them. <laughs> and they were all like, hey man, we're doing a scene. I was like, get away from me. I was such a jerk. And, but you can see in their, in their reactions and stuff, like, they really were scared of me. But the weird counterintuitive thing is, they sort of know that I'm, because I am kind of a softy inside, and so they sort of fell in love with me in a weird way. And so, like, they would love to, like, kind of poke fun at me, and I would try to stay, like, and they just kept, they got under my skin. But it sort of works for the arc of the season, you know. So this show doesn't just have fans. People are obsessed. 
Yeah. And they were obsessed about a few things. The portrayal of the 80s, people are obsessed with that. Yeah. And pointing out different things about it. People yeah. are obsessed with yeah. the story arc of Barb. Yeah. Um, you've played uh, so many roles on television and film. This is a <laughs> and different, no one's scared. It's great. No, 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 no. But this has got to be a different kind of fan. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing. Like, I really have done so much work, and no one's cared. I, I don't mean... I mean, you know, like... I mean, I do have people who are like, oh, man, you were good in that. And I was like... <laughs> but at the time, I've never had anything hit where... You know, it's such a dream to... Um, it's the dream of being an actor is that you move people. I think, for me at least, it was that I've just wanted to make them think about their lives. I wanted to make them, if, if acting has any meaning, it is so that we can have greater empathy for other people. And I do get people from all over the world like tweeting me things about like Hopper makes them want to be a better man and like <laughs> things like that. And so I'm enjoying every minute of it and I hope that we can bring you even like more of that in season two. Mm, nice. David, are you ready for an Ask Me Another Challenge? Oh, God, I'm so bad at trivia. Let's do this. All right. David Harbour, everybody. David, there is a creature in Stranger Things called the Demogorgon. Correct. Which is a nod to Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. There are also plenty of creatures in Shakespeare's plays, which you are very familiar with. (laughs) Let's hope. (laughs) So we've mashed these things together in an amazing trivia adventure called 20-Sided Quiz. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here's how it works. Jonathan Colton and I will guide you through a dungeon where you'll encounter a series of Shakespearean creatures. Oh, my God. Each creature will ask you a multiple-choice trivia question. Answer correctly, you will get a weapon that will make it easier for you to defeat each creature. I'm going to level up. You're going to fight each creature by rolling this large 20-sided die. Oh, my God. You enter the dark dungeon. Suddenly, the weird sisters from Macbeth appear. Oh, God. They ask you a trivia question. Oh, no. Which of these is not an ingredient the three witches from Macbeth throw into a cauldron? (laughs) Blood of swine, tongue of dog, eye of newt. Well, eye of newt is one of them. Yep. Blood of swine feels like one of them. Tongue of dog doesn't feel like one of them, right? Why would you throw a dog's tongue? I'm going to go with tongue of dog. Final answer, Regis. That is incorrect. Oh, my God! It's blood of swine? Blood of swine. Oh, I'm terrible. That's okay. All right, you got to roll. Roll a 10 or higher to defeat the witches. 13! Oh, Oh, my saving throw. My saving throw worked. The witches melt into a puddle. Yes, even though I'm stupid, they melt. (laughs) Guess what? The dungeon is getting darker and darker. Oh, God, it's so dark down here. A swarm of harpies appears. Of course they do. They ask you a trivia question. Yeah, I'm sure In they The do. Tempest, what is the name of the witch who imprisoned the spirit Ariel in a tree? Sycorax. That was correct. Is it correct? Wow. I am indeed a cleric of the light. <laughs> Roll a five or higher to defeat them. Come on. A two! Oh, Oh, the rolls! No! The harpies rip off your right arm! But you managed to escape. Oh, thank God. I still have the left hook. We're good. (laughs) You have reached the treasure room. The Demogorgon appears. Oh, no. From the plain of Hades. Yes. It asks you a trivia question. Oh, of course it does. Here's the question. Thank God. The ghost of Hamlet's father tells Hamlet of his most unnatural murder. Sure. What potion did he say was used as the murder weapon? Was it A, venom, B, hebanon, or C, hemlock? Avenge my most foul and unnatural murder. (sighs) He poisons him in the garden. Just do all of Hamlet and you'll find it. I know, I know. Who's there? Nay, stand and answer me. Unfold yourself. <laughs> I'm going to go with Hemlock. I'm sorry, that is oh! incorrect. You are going to have to face the Demogorgon with no weapons and one arm ripped off. <laughs> oh, man. The correct answer is Hebanon. 
So you have to roll a 10 or higher. Oh, God. Come on, the rolls. Come on. Was it a 10 or higher? It's a five. Well, the Demogorgon says, whoops, I'm in the wrong dungeon, and it runs away, so you win anyway. David, you're at the end of the dungeon. Three treasure chests from the Merchant of Venice are before you. One is made of gold. One is made of silver. I played this part. One is made of lead. I played it. Which do you choose? Bassanio chooses the lead one, because that's where you win her heart, sure. That is right. You chose right. You open your chest. And inside is a prize, and it is an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. I know. Congratulations. Better than Porsche's heart any day. David Harbour plays Police Chief Jim Hopper on the Netflix series Stranger Things. Give it up for David Harbour. Now please welcome back to the stage Javier Munoz, accompanied by guitarist Robin McIntungay. So there's a little story behind this song. Uh, It was 2005, and I had quit the business and uh, somehow found myself in a room auditioning for the dream team that was creating In the Heights. And this is the song I sang that allowed me to book In the Heights and thus began the whole journey, which has now led to Hamilton. So I'm going to sing it for you now. This is the year of the open hand Oh, you hold on to what you can And charity is a coat you wear twice a year This is the year of the guilty man Your television takes a stand And you find that what was over there is over here so you scream from behind your door you see what's mine is mine and not yours i may have too much but i'll take my chances because god cops keeping score and you cling to the things they sold you did you cover your eyes when they told you that he can't come back because he has no children to come back for it's hard to love there's so much to hate hanging on to hope when there is no hope to speak of and the wounded skies above say it's much too late well maybe we should all be praying for time. Javier Munoz, Robin Makatungai. Now it's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Vanessa, who makes bacon for her friends. And Jerry, who went undercover as a cab driver and found out that people are terrible. <laughs> Puzzle Guru Archung, take it away. Thanks, Ophira. Vanessa and Jerry, your final round is called I Just Play One on TV. I'm going to give you a TV show in the name of one of its characters. You tell me what that character's job is. So if I said Tony Soprano from The Sopranos, you would say Mob Boss. We're playing this round like a penalty shootout. You'll each get up to eight questions. The contestant who scores the most points will be our big winner. Your prize is an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube, and from Stranger Things, a mug that says Coffee and Contemplation, and a signed poster of Jim Hopper in the style of Shepard Fairey's Obama poster, but instead of saying hope, it says hop. (laughs) We flipped a coin backstage, and Vanessa, you are going first. Here we go. Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy. She's a doctor. She's a doctor or surgeon, correct. Jerry, Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City. A journalist. That's right. She's a newspaper columnist. We'll accept that. <laughs> Vanessa Murphy Brown. Hey. Three seconds. Any just guess? He's also a doctor, isn't he? <laughs> Murphy Brown, I'm sorry. She's a TV journalist or reporter. <laughs> Jerry, Allie McBeal. A lawyer. She's a lawyer, correct. <laughs> Vanessa from Friends, Ross Geller. 
He's a geologist or a paleontologist. Ooh, I'm sorry, your first oh. answer was geologist. That's oh. incorrect. He was a paleontologist. Sorry. <laughs> Jerry, Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory. Scientist. Yeah, he's a scientist or a physicist. That's correct. <laughs> Vanessa, Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Football player? <laughs> uh, oh, that's not his No, he's a football coach. Okay. Sorry, that's your, you keep getting it close. Jerry, Ray Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. He is a sports writer. He is a sports writer. That's correct. We are at the halfway point, and Jerry is in the lead, four to one. Vanessa, from The X-Files, Dana Scully. Uh, she's a cop? No, I'm sorry. She's an FBI agent, specifically. All right. The situation is Jerry's up four to one. Jerry, if you get this question right, you're our big winner. Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock. She's an actress. That is correct. Congratulations. That's our show. Thanks for playing. Ask Me Another's Puzzle Guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now, Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Ellen Title, Danielle Thompson, and senior writers Karen Lurie, Jakey Van Stratton, and Kyle Beakley. Ask Me Another's produced by Mike Katz of Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Camila Salazar, along with Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Bill Moss, Noriko Okabe, and David Herkin. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Haripa Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, if you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us, and it helps other people find us, too. So for information on new episodes, upcoming live shows, and extra games, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And who knows, maybe you could win a Rubik's Cube. Thanks. Next time on Ask Me Another is the first of our two all-celebrity shows in Los Angeles with Darcy Carden, Brett Gelman, Missy Pyle, and Paul Shear, who fondly remembers his early days of improv comedy. I remember doing a show for one person, <laughs> and then we decided we would chase him out. <laughs> so join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. 